On this episode, five-time Billboard Top 100 DJ Greg Gatsby joins the show. Um, we talk about music, we talk about pursuing your dreams, we talk about sacrificing in the short term to get where you want to be, we talk about humility, uh, even when you're having success, we talk about collaborations, and at the end we start talking about addiction, and I get a little speechless when I ask Greg you know, what advice he would give to somebody coming up in the music and entertainment industry. Uh, I don't think I've ever gotten speechless on the show before, so I'm still a little bit shook by it. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. This was really powerful stuff, and if you love the episode, definitely don't forget to subscribe, share, review, tell a friend. It means a ton. I appreciate all the support, and I appreciate you all listening. Enjoy. Do you ever wonder how some podcasts get thousands of new listeners and you don't? Do you wonder how people get featured in major publications? Do you ever wonder how Instagram videos go viral? Welcome to the Giant Voices Podcast, hosted by Carson Jones. Every week we bring you the biggest names in podcasting, marketing, and public relations to help you break through the noise and take your brand to the next level. Oh, and we like to mix in the uncomfortable topics like mental health, anxiety, and the internal battles that keep us from growing. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Giant Voices Podcast. On today's episode, we have Greg Gatsby. Greg is a five-time Billboard Top 100 DJ and music producer. Um, Greg started cleaning carpets and driving Uber when he first started in the music industry because he wanted to pay for studio time. And while he was doing that, he actually hit the Billboard charts for the first time. Um, Since then, he's toured with a plethora of stars like GTA, Travis Scott, Bass Jackers, and then eventually started producing his own music. And in 2016, his single Mayday hit number 16 on the Billboard charts. And Greg has reached as high as number 11 on those charts and has had millions of streams on his songs. Um, Beyond that, Greg has a great story. He comes from very humble beginnings. Uh, He was a boxer. He lives a very low-key lifestyle when he's not on stage. And he definitely debunks a lot of stereotypes that a lot of people have about music producers and DJs while living in LA. So I'm excited to share his story. And Greg, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, uh, I appreciate you joining. I know you're, you're running around like crazy. Um, for those that don't know, Greg actually uh, pulled over from traffic in LA to, to be on the show today. So, Greg, I, I really appreciate you, you making the time and uh, telling us your story. Thanks for having me, man. I so, love your show. I really do. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's been really well, cool. <laughs> be, by be here, you mean like virtually? We're all in the same place. Yeah, remote. I was gonna, I was gonna correct myself. Yeah, remotely, I suppose. Yeah, no, but it, it's been cool because I've had on a lot of people that uh, you know have personal relationships with so far, and um, it's been cool to have Ashwin and Johnny and you know Stephen and all these people that uh, that we we all know together. And one thing that's been really cool is like learning the origin stories of all these friends that I have in real life on the through the podcast because you know I I know you I know a lot about your story I know you know your boxing background I knew you know a bit about your your origin story but take me through it because I don't know the whole thing um, how did how all this start how did Greg Gatsby come to be you know my first love of music was like early early dial up internet chat rooms where people were you know, sharing these files when music was first, you know, we didn't know it was like illegal or any, or, or it would change the industry forever. We were just kids uploading and sharing records with each other. So those early, you know, Napster, et cetera, days, 
um, LimeWire and so on. I just love sharing music and making mixtapes. And I, I didn't know it was a job to curate music. I, I didn't know what a DJ was. Definitely, I didn't know that. I didn't know what producing was either. I thought all music was just strictly a, a live recording of a band. And I, I thought that, you know, almost to all the way through high school, really. So I started via sports. I always liked how the music flowed, especially in like layup lines and stuff. You're a big sports guy. You go all, you mm-hmm. go to uh, tons of games and stuff. And for me as a little kid, loving sports and going to games, you know, I always just loved how hyped the records were, you know, the music and how it flowed. Sometimes it was like intro stuff. And I didn't know that that was kind of, that was what DJs do. They mix records so that they flow and they cut up different pieces to make, to use the best parts and, and set the tone I just liked that they did that. So I searched the internet and I found a free software where you could do that. You could take a song, you could cut just the beginning. And so I started making layup line music for my basketball teams. And that's really how I started. I didn't know it was a job. I just knew that the intro of the champ is here by Jadakiss, you know, with like a Jay-Z track right after that and like a sound effect here or there just made it super sick. And that's, that's why I did it. Then, then I started, you know, I got to college and I played college basketball and I started like, going to different parties and meeting DJs and hanging out with DJs and going some of my teammates were rappers. So we always, we had a studio in the house and we were always going to studios. And I, I just started falling in love with the production process and the live mixing of records. Um, so I started to DJ and produce and learn to for fun basically. And as I was throwing more parties in college and getting into promoting events, um, eventually I just decided I really love the live aspect of the shows and I want to be the DJ. And um, I already had this music background and I was in love with being in the studio. So it all just evolved naturally. I never knew it was a job. I never knew I could make money, you know, and the more you learn, the more you want to dive in more and collaborate with people and write songs. And it all just kind of naturally grew from that. So, so this wasn't like a, you know, growing up as a child, you know, doing, doing your thing. Like this was, this kind of happened later in your childhood then, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was downloading music as a little kid, like literally when you couldn't, I don't even think people knew. I think I was in like the early groups of kids that would make mixtapes and stuff and would like share files on the internet. So I've always been curating music and obsessed with it and learning how to cut it up and move things around, you know, in a DAW. But I didn't, I didn't know it was a job. That that didn't happen until 18. I started throwing parties, meeting DJs, and going to the studio. And I was like, oh, producers get paid, and this is super sick. This is kind of like what I do. I have an ear for this. And then, I, and then you know, also the DJs as well. And I just loved how they, more so than money, I just loved how they could dictate the emotion in the room. It just looked like a ton of fun to me. So all, all that evolved from that. But it wasn't the plan for my life at all to be in music. You know, I, I didn't like music class in school. I didn't. Uh, I, you know, I took guitar lessons and I like guitar, but I, I never was very good. So yeah, I, I, this, this came probably right when I hit college, I realized my, my side passion, uh, can evolve into something. So after that, so it went from, you know, you jumping into a curating music to then becoming, you know, something you, you, you really saw like a future in, because I know just, uh, from our experience, I know you, you, you were doing everything you could to pay for studio time. You're cleaning carpets, you're driving Uber. And then yeah. somewhere along that way, you, you hit the Billboard Top 100 while you were still doing those things. What was that story? How, what was that like? Yeah, that was, there's so many people to thank. We don't even have the time, but they know who they are. And I've done it in articles and stuff. So that was, that was me being fortunate. I, I think I have also a skill for 
surrounding myself with just talented people and, and knowing how to bring the best out of them. And, um, I, you know, I fell into a relationship with a label through Richard Farrelly, who's a DJ producer I really respect and love. And uh, he was one of my early DJ mentors, like, you know, really the art of DJing. He's just so skilled. And, um, uh, but then, you know, I, I did a song with him and we, he knew a label that had really good relationships with, uh, some really great remixers and they really, it made the record well-rounded and it gave us the opportunity to chart on the dance charts and to get into the club circuit and onto mix shows, et cetera. So that was just, you know, I, I think the lesson I took from that is to, to not be afraid to collaborate and to really try to bring value to everybody you meet because you never know what they, you know, there was nothing that said, you know, Richard's going to have a relationship that's going to be an in for me to put out this, this great professional record and chart on billboard. You know what I mean? That I just respect him as a person and we built a relationship. And then one day he said, Hey, I know this great label and, and, and they have this kind of this Avenue uh, to get us more exposure and, and let's go for it. But that, that happened after four years of developing maybe five years of developing a really good relationship and, and, and uh, just doing the DJ thing together. Um, but I would say I was pretty lucky actually the first time I charted and then, you know, the work, the stuff you mentioned, the carpet cleaning and um, all that other stuff. The thing about that is, you know, and this is the, the thing I just, while it's on my mind, I want to say it for young entrepreneurs or artists, you know, you got to humble. I went to college, you know, and I'm, I'm a smartest guy, you know, and I didn't go to Harvard, but I went to business school and I, I played sports and I networked my ass off and I, you know, started businesses when I was young and I had a little bit of momentum. Like I could have done a lot of jobs, but the problem is that when you commit, when you work for someone, um, you got to be all in, man. You know, they're, they're, they're investing in you. And so you're 40, 50, 60, whatever hours a week it is. And there's not a lot of flexibility. You can't just leave. And so you're going to have to do shit work and you're going to have to eat shit for a while. If you're trying to build something for yourself in most cases, because you need, at least as an artist, the flexibility to create, to network, to take a gig on last notice, to take no money to show up somewhere, to build a relationship, et cetera. So I really had to humble myself and, you know, I was cleaning car. I was, I, you know, I'll never forget flying out to play at a university, like on stage in front of a university. And that whole week I was staying in a dorm at a different university because we were cleaning the, we were doing like a, it was like, it was like a break. The break started that next Monday. So that was the time to clean all the dorms. So I was literally, I moved, I, it was me and a, you know, and a group of guys moved into the dorm and like just clean, basically janitors, bro. So I went from, you know, on the stage on side on Saturday to living in the dorm, just cleaning up everybody's shit. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good work. But, you, you know, you really kind of have to humble yourself to do it. And there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, the excuse I hear oftentimes, people don't have the money for the studio time. Or nowadays, you got to be a marketing expert and you got to create. And that's true and it sucks. But what are you going to do? Complain about it? Like, you're going to have to raise some money so that you can market this stuff. And you're going to have to spend a bunch of time learning how to do it yourself as well. And, and networking and building relationships so that you have some, so, you know, some sort of team or some sort of support. And all of that calls for you to be flexible and to make money other ways. So maybe you sell shit. Maybe you work three or four jobs that are overnight shifts or early morning so that you can be in the studio at night. But 
you know, that's what led me to like, you know, cleaning floors and doing all these, these labor jobs. And then, and then, Oh, Uber became a thing. All right, I'll drive Uber. And that was also, you know, by the way, was tough because here I am throwing big nightlife events in Boston and DJing already touring. And I'm bumping into people, picking them up in my car, you know, that again, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't look down on Uber drivers at all. And it's a great hustle, but it's tough when you're looked at as, you know, someone with a lot of momentum and a good brand and you've got a lot of momentum and things are going well, at least on socials. And then, you know, and then you're driving someone around that goes to your events or that's in the industry or whatever. Yeah. But it, it requires like a, a real level of humility too. Now, not to cut you off. Cause this is like, this is the best stuff that I want people to hear because I wasted a lot of time in corporate America because, you know, getting out of school, you know, you're, you're taught to go get a job and work for somebody and build up a career over a certain amount of years. And I wasted, sure. you know, years doing that. And in those jobs, I, I never really did that well. I would always just do enough because I was talented, but I, I was almost like afraid to do enough because I knew the more I built it up, the harder it would be to leave. And none of these jobs were ever self like serving me and like my, my purpose. So it was like my, right. e it was almost my ego. I was afraid to, uh, you know, to take that risk and, and do something like you did. So I wasted, you know, five years of my, uh, my early twenties working and not really having success and being miserable because I was afraid to take that step back. So I, I think that's like, that's remarkable that you had the discipline to do that and to like know that you had your dream and you had that direction. Yeah, man. I think that was great advice you just gave that, you know, drawing on your own experience. I think, and no, there's nothing wrong too. hopping into a career, gaining experience, making some money, saving it, if you're saving it. And if you are focused on your end game, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, that, that lane either. But yeah, humility is key. You got to work your face off and you might have to do things you don't want to do. And you're going to have to not care what other people think of you because this is necessary. Like you're going to, if you're starting a business or you're an artist, which you're a brand, you're going to have to raise money somehow. And it's not, it's not falling out of the sky. And not only do you got to raise money, but you got to raise money in a way that allows you to have time and a bit of flexibility, you know? So that's why I took the lane I took. And um, a big reason why I'm living in LA now and, and my only job is music. Uh, it was a long time and very, you know, very difficult and a lot of lows, you know what I mean? But this, I'm so happy to be where I am right now. So it was definitely worth it. Well, I love that because it's, I think ego is something really important you just talked about. And there, there's different lows, I think, you know, me coming out of school, working for a bank, working for a news station, like there were different lows because I, I felt unfulfilled, you know? So if you're not yeah. fulfilling like what you really want to do, you know, maybe that low isn't short term, like income, you know, maybe you've got enough to live, but the feeling of being unfulfilled, you know, as weird as this sounds to somebody that maybe is struggling, that's listening, the feeling of being unfulfilled and like feeling like you could be doing more or not knowing what your direction is, is just as painful, if not more, because you can't figure out what's wrong. You know, you don't know what's wrong, at least if you're following your passion and that, and your low is that you just, you know, you're broke and you're hustling. Like, at least, you know, that that's, that's the issue. If you haven't found your passion or you're just, you know, working to have a job, that's a different type of low because you don't know what, what you're missing out on. Yeah, man, that's true. It isn't all about money. A hundred percent. So a hundred percent. So you brought up something really cool that uh, you know, I, I want to talk about because you start, started talking about collaborations and, 
you know, that's, that's huge in the music industry. Um, so from there, you know, you, you start to have some success and then you start going on tour with some of these big names that I mentioned um, in the intro, like the GTAs, the Travis Scotts, the Bass Jackers, like those are, those are a huge name in the industry. What was, what was that like to be able to learn from talented creators, like as you're finding your way and starting to have success in the industry? So, well, touring for me was a little different. So I think there's, they, um, the bigger artists, I didn't tour with any of them individually, like 40 cities together, me and them. What was happening was on my tours, when I was piecing together venues and so on, I would get opportunities to open floor, close floor, play, play along with DJ for a vocalist, et cetera. So opportunities came up with venues, festivals, uh, events, where I get to share the stage with them. And then, yeah, you learn what you can from them. It's motivating. It's exciting. I remember when I opened for GTA the first time, I, I think I've played with them maybe three or four, but definitely at least three. And um, they were my favorite producers in, in the electronic music space. We went to dinner after we played on this, like, this EDM, almost like festival-style boat cruise thing. And we went to dinner at a club that I was the resident DJ at after, and I got to pick their brain. And it's just, It was really, really inspiring just to be around people like that. And Travis Scott, I met early in his career and played with him in Philly. That was dope. So I, I draw something different from every single one of them. But um, I haven't had, and I'm looking forward to, though, that's the next chapter, an experience where I, I you know, tour with a massive artist and I'm there to really get to know them and to really learn from them. I, I haven't had that experience yet. So I just want to clarify that. But, but yeah, I've played with a lot, of, a lot of big artists or opened for. The number one thing for me is that it's always kind of inspiring just to see their interaction with fans, to see how much excitement that they incite, to see, you know, where, where I could maybe take my career. It's just a reminder. I think it's just like you hear a lot of people talk about surround yourself with greatness, you know, or, or the things that you want to be or be around the people that you want to be like and all those. It's really contagious. And playing with or before artists like that, it has that same effect. Yeah. And it, it also is humbling too, because once you start thinking that, you know, you're having a certain level of success, you know, even if you are, you start to surround yourself with those people that are just levels above you. And it makes you, yeah. it really brings you back down to like, okay, I haven't, I haven't done anything yet. You know, I, I got to keep working. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I wouldn't have made that point only because luckily for me, I'm like, I'm like, uh, I just, I don't really have, I don't know, you know me pretty well. I don't really have that, that problem where I start to lose when I was younger, I did. I did. I, I grew a bit of an ego with certain things, and I had this weird need to – I didn't even see it happening. It's only in retrospect. But I, I had this weird need to – I don't know if it was to feel important or to – I really don't know what it was, but I got off the path a little. And um, I think we all make mistakes and do that. And the important part is to correct it and come back. But I've never had a problem, at least in music. Um, I'm just constantly humbled. It is just such a difficult pursuit. And I'm just not that good yet. You know what I mean? I'm just not. I need help in every aspect. And being able to admit that to myself early has helped a lot. And I think that's one thing that I notice when I sit down with songwriters or producers that are established. One of the, the ultimate compliments they give me and things that they say they wish they felt earlier and they're just learning now about themselves, even if they're far more talented than I am and they really don't need this lesson, they still have see value in it in knowing your limits being honest with what you can and can't do and accepting help. Um, sometimes when it's art, you, you know, maybe it's, it's really difficult for you to let go of the reins a little bit, but I assure you what you'll create is 
is far better when you can let in other talented, like-minded people. Um, so I've always just been, I'm just humbled by the pursuit of it, to be honest. It's just so hard. And there's just so many people that are more talented than I am. My skill set comes in, I think, in my ear. I have good ideas and in my ability to inspire people around me and to build teams and, um, and, and get stuff done that way. But I'm not this like musical prodigy or anything. And since I've known that from the beginning, uh, I've never, you know, I really don't need reminders that, wow, look how incredible these people are. I need to step it down a notch. Like I haven't done shit yet. I know I haven't done shit. I constantly think about how I haven't done shit yet. It's one of the things that motivates me. But it is a good point that when you surround yourself with greatness, it's a constant reminder of what you're striving for. And then you don't kind of get ahead of yourself and either settle or grow an ego. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a good balance from both sides. Just, you know, never having an ego, but also at the same time, like understanding that you, you have a message to share, that you have an expertise, that you have experiences that are important to get out there, which is what I, what I love about you is like, you, you know, that uh, that you have something and that you're working on special something special at all all times, but you're you, you're never like too big for anything. You know, like I've come I've come out to to see you play, and it's like you you play huge shows and you you know you are doing big things, but at the same time you're not above playing just like a local show or do you know doing something that's maybe yeah. maybe going to expose you to one or two other people that maybe don't know you, but you you're not above that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, and you know, what's funny. The last one you came to in LA, I really had to humble myself for, but that came from, first of all, the place was packed and it was fun and they paid and everything's great. There's no, I have no complaints, but the venue is not typical for a producer. That's also an artist, like a performing DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, in the one before I played in LA, like two weeks before it was kind of a big venue, big production. And this was very much more of like, reminded me of college, like, fun party bar like play all genres of music not everyone there knows who you are most people don't that that type of space was a little tough for me to make that decision not because I thought I was better than the venue but because when you're building a brand you don't want to be too accessible and and as an artist you, you want to make sure that your set comes across incredible so you need certain type of sound and lights and so on so it is important to consider those things for, if there's DJs listening in particular and I think this lesson spans across a lot of stuff but it is important to consider those things, but not in every circumstance. And if it's, and it, you know, every once in a while, you, you need to take these gigs because they bring you back to where you started. They help you work on your actual fundamental skill. You can't hide behind big production. That's the other thing that I, I wanted from it. And the third was someone important to me introduced me to that venue and had already pitched it. And she was working her ass off to get me gigs. It's not easy. You know, it's a very saturated market. So that's, a, that's the third thing I want people to, to know about why I took that and maybe I can bring value through this lesson. If someone, if you're lucky enough to find anyone that's willing to push you, whether it's your music or your business, and they seek and work for an opportunity for you, especially when they're not looking for anything in return, but even when they are, if someone busts their ass for you because they believe in you, it's a rare quality and you need to cultivate those people need to really appreciate them and if they went ahead and executed something for you and it's not the perfect fit you don't love it you need to just suck it up because you're going to do more damage by saying this isn't good enough for me than you then you are going to bring value in encouraging that person and in taking the gig and doing the best you can or the meeting or whatever it's the same thing in business maybe the meeting isn't going to be worth your 30 minutes but the person that set it up is and if it, sometimes it's worth making them feel good about their effort 
and being grateful for what you do have and just taking it as an experience. Maybe something great will come out of it, you know? So that's really why I ended up at that particular gig you're talking about. But, um, but yeah, every once in a while, you know, you got to go back, you got to go back to how you started. Um, and th- that's why I like the small local gigs too. I, that's so, that's so cool. I, I think if anybody takes anything away from this episode, it's just, you know, no matter where you get, just maintaining that humility and maintaining those relationships. I, I know that a lot of your big hits and a lot of your work is through, through collaboration and through working with other artists to make something great together. How do those, how do those relationships happen? Like if you're, if you're collaborating, like you see, you know, all these artists doing today where it'll be one artist, but then it'll be featuring three others. Like how, how do those collaborations happen and how, how, how have yours happened? So on the highest level, they happen because labels are cultivating artists or they have certain relationships and they know that they'll hit X, Y, Z demographics. And it's this whole business thing. And it's very, not always, but a lot of times it's this very non authentic business decision. And sometimes they're just put together. Other times, larger artists just have relationships with other artists they respect. They know they both have a fan base. It makes sense. And then the artist decides. In my case, I was still small and I am still small. And so it happened because I had a friend and I liked their stuff. And we just decided to have fun and make a song. Um, That's really how these started. We made the most out of them. I don't think they're the best records. Um, The stuff I have coming out soon is, to me, tenfold on anything I've done before in terms of quality, in terms of creative, you know, influence and everything. They're just better, but I did them because they were fun. And um, I was proud of them at the time. And I was very thankful that these talented people are my friends and wanted to work with me. So those all happen organically um, through friendships. Uh, My next step I'm getting, I'm literally even at my, you know, small level in terms of like my, my uh, social media and, and so on. I'm still flooded. I mean, if I put up, Hey, I'm looking for a demo. I'll, I'll get a hundred emails literally like that day. So, um, I have so many singers, uh, to choose from and so many opportunities. And so that, that's a little overwhelming now. And, and the way that I'm trying to pick, and I'm, I know I'm making mistakes cause it's just, there's so many people I could work with. Um, the way I'm just, if I, if it's evoking emotion, if I feel something when I listen to their demo, their idea, something they wrote, um, I'll respond and say, hey, let's, let's dive into this further. And maybe this won't, maybe nothing will come of this, but um, let's at least get, get together and put some ideas together. So right now I'm looking for people that I'm a fan of, like literally a fan, bigger artists than me. Um, and I have a few of those coming out. And then um, other than that, it's just listening to inboxes, demos, meeting producers and hearing their stuff and, if I really love it or feel some type of way, then we, then we go to collaborate. Um, but I'll always need collabs because I also don't sing. So if there's a Greg Gatsby record out, it's much like um, Diplo, you know, it's not, I don't sing. So maybe one day I will, but just to be creative and do something fun. But as of right now, I, I need singers and I also need songwriters. I'm not the best songwriter either, you know? So um, I like collaborating. It helps me be the best me. And um it also allows to have uh, vocals, you know, on your, on your records. There's a lot of great electronic records that have no vocals, but my stuff is a little bit more fused with pop than others, I think, pop and hip hop. And so um, I really need collaborators. So I'm, I'm always looking. Yeah. And 
I think you kind of answer this question, which it's, it, there's a lot of crossover between the business world, which is, you know, where maybe a lot of my listeners are in like the music industry. And there's, there's so much to like pick apart here, but I think the cool thing is you understand, and it goes back to that humility. You understand what your strengths are and you surround yourself with people that are good at things that you're not good at. And I was going to ask you like how, how you start when you produce your own music, but I feel like that's, that's what you were just going through. It's almost like you, you know what you're good at, you know what you're looking for. And then is it just intuition or what's, what's your process when you start producing your own music? Um, the technical process is I start with drums in case there's any producers or anyone. I just think that that's, that's, I usually find a sample, you know, these days on splice, but I used to have just, I still have a terabyte of folders of samples that are cleared and in my computer, whether created by friends of mine uh, me messing around or sample packs and stuff that I've purchased. Uh, but uh, now I go to Splice and I, and I, I just find like a little clip, a little, a little loop of an idea, a sound, a, an instrument, something that I'm just like, this is dope. And then I manipulate that and I build drums. That's how I start from a technical standpoint. I think, I think drums to me are the driving force in dance music and um, in most music. And, um, and usually a sample is what sparks an idea in terms of sound where I'm going to go. Um, and then I, and then I bring on help, you know, I, I say, look, you know, I really need this or that, or can you develop the sound or what? And I, I just kind of go into my Rolodex of friends, musicians, artists, and we see where we can go. Um, and that's the starting of producing to me is to lay out almost a, just a, as an entrepreneur, it would be like your, your, uh, or, or as a, as a, um, as like a director or something, it'd be like your vision board or your, you know, your storyboard. If you were going to film something, I kind of just put sounds, ideas, emotions uh, out there. I just throw them on the wall and then I say, okay, how can we, how can we form this? And what is this kind of inspiring right now? And then from, from a, um, the other, the other half of your question was what? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I think, I think that was it. I, I think uh, they oh, just how, how where, like producing your own, your own music because you start, you started off by, you know, producing other music and now, and then you transition into doing your own. Yeah. So yeah, that that's, and you know what, it goes the same way really. Cause when we're working on someone else's track, a lot of times, and in most cases, I'm almost in that executive producer role where I'm, I'm looking at the talent involved, the ideas involved, whether it's a demo or whatever. And I'm saying, okay, what can we piece together here to make this the best version of itself? And what kind of talent do we need to attract and put on it? And that's really the way I work. Um, you know, I can sit there right now and make you an average beat in 30 minutes, but where I'm, where I'm good is, okay, we have something really special here. X, Y, and Z layer is not special to me. And who do I know that's fantastic at that, at that aspect. And, um, and then, you know, even with the mixed downs and masters and so on, I usually, uh, I've been learning more and more and I'm always studying and always watching tutorials and getting better, but I usually the final copy of my stuff, whether it's for another artist, I'm producing it for them for money, or it's my track, I, we still send it out to be mixed and mastered because another side of the years helps and having a professional, someone that has devoted, devoted their life to, to the perfection of sound is who you want on it. So, um, you know, in business is the same way. You find your, you find your weaknesses and then I think you try to surround yourself, you know, you pull a Ford, right? You surround yourself with people. You could press that button on your desk and get any answer, any question answered. Um, that I think is the key to to really blowing up in any endeavor. Is if you can inspire talent around you, 
in, in, or duplicate yourself if you're really great at something. I, I think that's the key. And I'm just figuring that out at, to scale, I think. And the next stage of my career, I think, is going to go 10 weeks because of those things. Yeah. And uh, the reason, like me and Johnny, obviously, you know, Johnny Rapp and speaking to you. And the reason I bring on you know, people that are in music and culture and hip hop and like just these different industries is because I think people will start realizing that there's so many connections between all these industries. Like the fundamentals are very similar. It's just the, the medium that changes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for any, if any artists are listening, your business, like your brand, currently you're the CEO, unless you, you know, give up your rights and your masters or, but I mean, you're, you're a brand and you need to treat it like that. And I hear a lot of complaining from creatives about how now they need to do be a marketing expert and all these, like these brands, these fake musicians are making and like, it's not doing you any good complaining. You got it. You got to evolve, you know? and uh or inspire some talent around you that can do the business part that you trust but those are the only two solutions complaining is not going to do anything for you yeah well 100 percent and um we'll wrap up in a few minutes because i know uh i want i want to get you home and uh, off the road but uh yeah the one thing no worries, I, I really think is cool uh, about you too is you, you really like you epitomize like staying in your lane and not really worrying about like what other people do are doing and you know you're you definitely debunk the traditional dj lifestyle like you don't drink you don't do drugs you don't you don't really party right how do you avoid that lifestyle while you know being in it all at the same time so i lived it early on um and i don't know I, i've got dna you know i got a lot of weaknesses too but i've got really good dna when it comes to just knowing what's not good for me and not wanting to be associated with it, you know? And I think I partied pretty hard early on. Um, I'm sure Ashwin has stories for you, but you know, I just transitioned, you know, I got, I, I developed an autoimmune disease, well, a couple of them. Um, and uh, they changed the way I looked at my health, particularly what I was ingesting. Um, so alcohol went out the window and I never looked back, literally never. Every once in a while over the last, I don't know, six years, I've been somewhere where there was something really awesome. Like, I don't know, like a craft beer that's only that area, right? And there's nothing wrong with having a beer, even if you are avoiding, um, you know, partying hard and et cetera. So I, you know, I put it in my own head, like, yeah, you know, I want to try this just to, for the experience. I'm, I'm here in whatever country or whatever city playing a show and this place is famous for this. Let me try it. And I felt sick after. So for me, it's easy. I don't feel good when I drink. Um, and uh, it really is not good for you. So uh, that, that's that been easy. Um, drugs, same thing. You know, my, my father, like, his life was destroyed by a million factors, but drugs and alcohol really, really buried him. And, and he's climbing out of it now, I think, uh, which I'm proud of. But I mean, from, from, from a family business that was killing it to to live in, I mean, I was dropping, you know, food and clothing off with them on the side of the street in Providence a year and a half ago, because I couldn't take him with me due to family dynamic and I couldn't afford a place for him. And that's where he was. He's in the street, literally. So I was driving three hours to Providence to drop off supplies. I mean, that's how fucked his life became because of, I mean, a lot of things. I mean, he went through abuse and all sorts of stuff and, but drugs, I don't look at other than psychedelics, 
uh, and, and a few others that have shown promise in terms of exploring uh, yourself, kind of relieving yourself of ego, all of that stuff I'm super open to and I really love. And I, and I, and I, I see the benefits, obviously, in weed. I don't really consider that a drug. But um, the party drugs and the stuff that's meant to cover up a problem rather than help discover solutions, which I think some drugs, believe it or not, help you discover solutions. But the party drugs and the drugs meant to numb. Um, I understand how hard those are. I've seen it firsthand. But I don't even, I don't even, I have zero will to even remotely explore that. So it's easy for me. Life experience and my personal health have made it easy to be like, that's not the avenue for me. And I, by the way, I don't judge anyone that does it. Some people can do it really responsibly and it helps increase the quality of their life. And if there's a negative health benefit on the back end, this is the trade they've made and it makes them happy. And you know what? You don't live very long. So there's no judgment, but I think knowing yourself, knowing your DNA, knowing uh, what, what is actually going to make you happy and that it's not a band-aid, that's really important when deciding what lifestyle you're going to lead, especially in entertainment. And so for me, it's been, it's been really easy to, and by the way, my dad's off the, uh, he's not, he's not homeless anymore and he's in a place and we got his pop back and like, everything's great. So no one feel bad for me or what's going on with him. But, um, all that happened mostly because of, because of drugs and alcohol. So I am just not a fan at all. Yeah. It's, it's made it easy for me to live a, a pretty clean life. Yeah. And, I'm I'm so glad to hear that you you know your dad's doing better and I I, I appreciate you I like, open it up because I I did not know that part of your life and um, it it definitely takes me back to the self awareness like you brought up a really good point there at the end is um, just being self aware as to why you know whatever you're consuming whether it's drugs whether it's alcohol you know whether what whatever it is sex you know all of these things are can can be addictive if if you don't understand like why you're doing certain things like I remember you know, in my early and mid twenties, when I wasn't happy, you know, in relationships, when I wasn't happy with work, when I just didn't know why it, it became a bandaid where I would go out and take shots and drink, you know, Friday and Saturday, because I didn't like, you know, what Monday through Friday looked like. And, you know, since I've, I started figuring myself out and figuring out the self-awareness, like I don't black out anymore. I don't, I don't rip shots. Like yeah. it's, you know, it's almost like you have to just understand like, why you're doing these things which will always root back to the issue. I, I see so many people that get so pumped up, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights because they're so miserable, you know, and those, you see, you see those same people on Monday morning and they're so miserable because of it. And it's just a brutal cycle and it creates a lot of anxiety, a lot of unhealth and just, it, it never stops. You just never get off that roller coaster. So it, yeah, I think you made a great point there with the self-awareness. Yeah, I mean, I think it's key. It's key to success, it's key to health, you know, be self-aware really work on that. I forget who says that a lot. I think Gary Vee says that a lot about the EQ and, and not knowing yourself. I, I think that he's so spot on with that, that it's, um, it is, it's a massively important and, you know, and not judging others for, for, for what they do and what, what how they feel, you know, their self-awareness is going. I don't, I, you know, I don't look at any situation black and white in terms of that stuff. You know, I'm very open to new experiences and, like I said, I find, I find, I find certain drugs fascinating actually. And I think there's probably a, a future of incredible benefits there. Yeah. When you're, when you're trying to cover stuff up, I think you're doing yourself a disservice, you know? So hundred percent. And I think it's just having those right conversations with yourself. So I think self-awareness is probably the 
biggest answer to this next question, but let's wrap up with a, uh, with the positive and, and get you out of here. So like, what advice would you give to somebody that's, you know, wanting to come up in, in the music industry that has a dream to move out to LA that wants to be successful, you know, whether it's music or entertainment or w- any industry, what, what's a uh, 60 seconds of advice that you would give somebody? Okay. The biggest thing is, okay. Number one, whatever, if you're operating in fear, you're, you're not going to succeed. So, you know, I said this to a producer that was visiting me the other day. Uh, he was visiting LA and he said he's dreaming of moving here and all these things. And by the way, moving isn't always a solution either. But in, in, in this case, I think being around your peers, being around where the money is, the opportunity, et cetera, um, you probably have a better chance living here. And so my advice was, you need to come. And he said, you know, what if it doesn't work out? But, you know, my answer was, you're back in the same position you started. And I think that's almost always the circumstance. You can always get another job. You can always move home. You can always start over, you know, and, and, and ultimately the biggest thing is you're going to die and it's going to be pretty soon. I mean, I hate this. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that's the worst case scenario in the world. And it's, and it's a foregone fact. So why are we worrying about all the little stuff in between? You might as well live the way you want to live. You might as well take risks. You might as well pursue what you really want. The, the fear stuff is going to cripple you. Fear of failure, what other people think, risk, all those things. You got to remind yourself, as rough as it is, that you're going to die, and it happens real quick. You know, my grandfather said something to me the other day. We were in his workshop. I was visiting New Hampshire, and um, he had a big uh, yardstick. And he said, "If you," he said, "If this yardstick was my life, because he's you know 77 now, and each inch is a year or whatever, this is how much I live, and this is how much I have left." And he put his finger towards the end. There's like two inches left. You look at that, and it's like, there's no time, man. And, and the other thing he said to me was, he feels like it was just yesterday he was my age. Like, literally a blink. Like, he, 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 he can feel it. You can taste it. This is over fast. And so, you know, my ultimate advice is whatever it is you want to do, go. Go do it, you know? And that is the first key, I think, to succeeding in music especially, because a lot of people around you are going to say that's not a viable career. So uh, that's A, you got to take the risk uh, and you can't operate in fear. Number two is network your ass off. You know, be humble, be likable, meet as many people as possible. They all know someone that you need to know and uh, try to create as much value as they give you in those exchanges. If you're creating value for other people, networking and meeting people, working on your craft, taking risks, um, that's the most you can do. There's There's nothing else. I mean, yeah, there's little specifics like, learning how to leverage social media and so on, but I'm awful at that and I'm making a living. So mm-hmm. you, you can do this. And by the way, I'm going to level up on, it. I'm going to hire someone. Like we're going to get this done. And I think that might even be the last factor is just deciding what it is that you want and doing it. You know, I've made the decision that this is going to happen. And I think the universe starts to shift for you. I really do. I think we can generate energy. I think energy flow is real. Uh, you know, scientifically, I, it's difficult to explain, obviously. But I think we've all seen circumstances of where we're putting something out and laser focus and emotion, both. I think you need both. I think you need positive affirmations. I think you need to tell yourself what you're going to do and all these things that you read about in all these books. But on top of that, I think you need to match it with real emotion. And I think that you need to be laser focused. And if you do that and decide this is what you're going to do, you know, the the rest will the rest will follow. So. That's the biggest thing. Don't operate in fear, work on your craft, network your butt off and, and make a, a focused emotional decision that this is what you're going to be doing. If you're too, if your brain is not, I think if your emotions in your brain 
are not aligned like fully on, on the task, if you're kind of floating around, it's going to be a very long road. You have to align before, other, before you're going to attract what it is that you need to succeed at this. And I just barely got aligned, like through mindfulness, meditation, reading, uh, life experience, all those things just happen now. So that's why I feel, you know, things are happening so fast the last few months for me and why it's going to continue. And that would be my best advice as a, you know, musician, producer, artist, getting their start. Yeah, Greg, I, I have chills and absolutely nothing to add. And, and I love the end that you talked about, like <laughs> mindfulness too, because I think that's so important. Like once you start to understand who you are and start to align, you know, just all of it together and the work behind it, you know, once you get a narrow focus and then have to put the work behind it and you understand who you are, that's when the magic starts to happen. So Greg, I, this is, that was incredible. I, 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 I'm, I'm a little bit speechless, like, <laughs> um, because I, I just think there was so much packed into this episode. I appreciate you opening up. I appreciate all the insights like that last, I can't wait to go back and listen to that last you know, five minutes there. Incredible. So Greg, thank you so much for taking the time. Like if somebody wants to, to reach out and connect with you, where, where can they find you? Um, you know, I, I check, I check both my, my, you know, I have two DMS and Instagram. I, I started checking a little while back and I've enjoyed it. I, the, the side DM, the sketchy inbox, and then the regular, um, cause there's a lot of gems in the, in the, in that one. So my email gets a little backed up. Um, but you, you can find me at greggatsby.com. All the contacts are there, but Instagram, I really made an effort of checking both inboxes. And if, and if, you know, you're just asking for advice, you just want to connect, you want me to listen to something, I, I respond to all those. So uh, it's at Greg Gatsby Music, G-R-E-G-G-A-T-S-B-Y-M-U-S-I-C. Um, yeah, Instagram is kind of my hub now just because there's so many platforms and it's a bit distracting for me. So uh, Instagram first, but, you know, my website works as well and there's contacts on there. Greg, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it all the time. I'll, uh, I'll be out that way in September, so I hope I get to see you. Heck yeah, man. All right. Uh, thank, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Giant Voices Podcast. If you love the show, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. Also, if you have questions, message us on Instagram at Giants underscore Voices or message Carson at Carson Jones.